Good morning, beloved. It's good to see you. Uh, we will be in Galatians chapter 5 today, if you'd like to make your copy of Scripture ready. Galatians chapter 5. Um, while you're turning there, uh, do you ever just have like really wrong, really, really strong desires or cravings? Um, maybe you don't want to voice that, all right? I get it, but... Um, so there's, there's something like we live in Florida and something evil has happened outside to where it's no longer a nice, comfortable 80, 90 degrees. But, um, so maybe this doesn't hit as much, but there's just something about strawberry lemonade that I just love. And especially when I've had like a long day, like been hot or something, and you just get so thirsty and like you're just chugging water and it just doesn't seem to satiate your thirst. And there's just one thing that's always like obsessively in my mind, like if I had strawberry lemonade, like really cold strawberry lemonade, but it can't be like that nasty nonsense that you buy in the store. Like it needs to be real handmade strawberry lemonade. And so I just want strawberry lemonade so bad. Do you, do you guys like strawberry lemonade? Well, I'm gonna have you know, like me and Leland, he's my pal, we made this. Like it's legit. Like squeeze the lemons until my hands were cramping and puree the strawberries. Like this is the real deal homemade simple syrup, the whole shebang. Like, it's amazing. And so I'm gonna make some of this and hopefully make you jealous because when I think of like what I desire so much, like this is it. You can't smell that, but I can. It's so good. Strawberry, look at that, it's real. Oh, it's so good. Gotta shake it up. Mm. But I can't just pour it in there because like what could make it better? It's already cold, like really cold. But you know what makes every drink better? Pebble ice. You know, right? Yeah. Real pebble ice. Like the real deal. You know, like when you chew on it and just kind of like crunches in there. It's so good. And I'm not going to strain that because you want the real strawberry in there. So, man. Look at that. That is good stuff. <laughs> I haven't even tasted it. Oh. That's quality. <laughs> this is a lot of nonsense. <laughs> but do you want that? Do you want that? Yes. If you're human, you want that. And if you don't want that, you probably should keep that to yourself. <laughs> but here's the thing, like, this, this glass is something that, like, that is amazing to me. Like that, I will desire, I will crave that so much. Like I want it so much. And then you get it and it's like, oh, it's so good. And, and here's the thing, like sometimes I want that, but I don't get it. And sometimes I want that, like if I had that every day, like I made the simple syrup, it was two cups of sugar that I had to boil and everything. I'm like, that's not good for me. <laughs> and so I have these like warring desires to me, like I want that so bad, like I'll drink that entire glass. But then there's this other part of me is like, your pants aren't gonna like that. <laughs> like your waistline's getting bigger, Kevin. You're getting older, your metabolism's slowing down. Like I have all these competing desires. And so what do we do with that when we have warring desires, when we have cravings that don't line up with each other, when our desires are at odd with each other, what do we do? Like, ultimately, the question is, like, which one wins out? If you have desires and they're at odds with each other, which one is going to win in the end? Which one wins the day? Which one wins the year? Which one wins in your life when you die? 
And you know, we've said this before, like the, the success rate of death for humans is 100%. It's coming. And so at the end, which one actually won out? We have these warring desires. And so we have been in the book of Galatians for a couple months now, uh, and I just love like Paul, this missionary, a couple thousand years ago, he planted churches in the region of Galatia. He has left and he's writing a letter back because he's heard some troubling things. And so Paul is writing this letter that we know as the book of Galatians. And in this letter, he is saying like, there is only one gospel. You've turned away. What has happened? You foolish Galatians, you've turned away from the gospel for another gospel. There actually is no other gospel because gospel means good news. There's only one true gospel. And so he's trying to protect them. He's defending them from a false gospel. There are people creeping in and they're saying like, hey, we're Jews, ethnically. We are the Hebrew people, the people of God. God chose us. He gave us the law, the promises, all this stuff. We have the prophets, like we know this stuff. And so welcome into the family of God. But remember, we've been here. And so we know what it really is to be in the family of God. And so it's great that you believe Jesus died and he rose again. Yes, salvation by faith in him, that's great. But actually, to really be part of the people of God, you also need to do a few things like circumcision. You need this outward sign of being the people of God. You need to observe these feasts, these festivals, the Sabbath, and all these things, these signposts of what it is to be an ethnic Jew. Some people are distorting the gospel, saying you actually need to do these things. And so it becomes no longer just living out of the favor of God, but living for the favor of God that somehow it's your religious performance. And so, again, to our audience today, our context, it's just as relevant. Because how often do we slip out of believing that my salvation, my right standing with God, my forgiveness is all bought by the blood of Jesus. It's nothing I could do. I could never earn it. I could never be good enough. And God gives it freely in grace. And so it's good news. And we slip into thinking, somehow I have to measure up. I've got to be good enough. And so we have those bad days where we slip and we start to question things and the doubts creep in and then we get into religious environments where people are so judgmental, like, man, if they were a Christian, you wouldn't act like that. You wouldn't dress like that. You wouldn't talk like that. All these different things that are about our behavior start to weigh on us because we so naturally think, I have to measure up. I have to do this for myself somehow. When the gospel says, no, it's entirely not something you can do. It's just something you receive. And so the gospel is a gospel of grace, and there is no other gospel. And so Paul has made this argument, and then last week, Alex beautifully took us to this point where there's a shift in the letter to where Paul has emphatically made clear from the old covenant all the way through everything he has like just completely made this beautiful argument for how the gospel is only the gospel if it is a gospel of grace. And then he's like, but I'm anticipating what you're gonna say, because if you're like, it's not my performance, it's nothing, it's just grace, then you may go off the deep end on the other side and say, well, licentiousness. I have free license to do what I want. You're telling me over and over, you're free, you're free. There's nothing you could do to earn God's favor or lose God's favor. It's grace. You stand here in freedom because of the grace of God, what Jesus has done in dying for your sin, the death that you and I deserve. He rose again victorious over sin and death, and it's all done. He died saying, it is finished. You're free. And so if I'm free, then I'm free to do whatever I want. And Paul's like, no, 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 hold on. You're free, but freedom looks like this. It looks like living under the law of love that you don't just go to like, it's crazy license, like I can do what I want, sin all the more. It's like, no, 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 no. You're bound by love. The God who loves you, now that overflows in a love for others. And you live according to that, and actually you're fulfilling the law, all of the law that you thought you could measure up by. No, now you just live in the freedom of now you can. Now you can keep the law just by loving each other. 
You love God and you love others. And so this is where we find ourselves today. He's continuing this and saying like, no, there's another way. It's not, it's not the, the way of legalism. It's not the way of licentiousness. It's another way. It's the way of Jesus. It's the way of love. And so as he's unpacking this way, we're gonna pick up in verse 16. So if you're in your copy, chapter five of Galatians, verse 16, we're gonna read to verse 25. Paul's saying here now, in that context, he says, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you don't do what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, Jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I'm warning you about these things, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And here we are, staring in the mirror at these two warring desires within us. As genuine followers of Jesus who believe this gospel of grace, and Paul's saying, yes, you follow a different way, the way of love. And now look at what this battle looks like because it continues. There are desires that are a competition within you. They're at war. These, these conflicting desires are within us and they show themselves as either works of the flesh or fruit of the spirit. Works of the flesh or fruit of the spirit. And so I'm gonna run through these really quickly with you. He's, he's given us like super long list of works of the flesh. And the works of the flesh, Paul even says they're obvious. Um, but see how they actually all fit into three categories and then he adds that little caveat at the end and similar things, which like there's a whole lot more. <laughs> but he kind of categorizes these. Here are the three major ways in which we mess up and we, we actually gratify the desires of the flesh. The first is the category of sexuality. Um, sexuality, so he says, sexual immorality or moral impurity or promiscuity. This encompasses all kinds of sexual deviance, things like intercourse between unmarried people. That the design of God is that this would be a beautiful gift that is celebrated and greatly enjoyed, but within the covenant relationship of marriage between a husband and a wife. Things like unnatural sexual practices and relationships that would include a screen. That is not natural. Uh, things like uncontrolled or unbridled sexuality. Saying these things, these are the desires of the flesh. These are the works of the flesh. This is what happens when you give in to the desire of the flesh. Or the next category is actually religion. When he says idolatry, putting something in the place of God. And this is actually, in Greek, it's, it's got a connotation of a religious sense. That it's not just like, we can, we can make anything. I could make that glass of strawberry lemonade an idol. It's where I worship that, as opposed to God who made the strawberries and the lemons. And my ability to crush them and stir them and all that stuff. That is a form of idolatry, but this is, this is a religious sense. There's a spiritual connotation here. That I'm intentionally putting something in the place of God on his throne. Or sorcery. This is not the Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, all that kind of stuff that's like fun, fanciful, magical. This is actually a spiritual sense of sorcery in which you're trying to replicate what only God can do to conjure up some religious aspect of this. 
Uh, the next category is relational destruction. And you can actually break this down into attitudes and actions and results. In attitudes, you have things like hatred, envy, jealousy, selfish ambition. Or in the actions or the results of many of these attitudes, drunkenness, dissension, factions, carousing, outbursts of anger. And what is the result of all of these? The works of the flesh? The second half of verse 21, I'm warning you about these things as I warned you before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Ouch. Wait, did we just slip back into legalism? That it's about my performance? No. The thing is, those who practice such things, not those who stumble into such things. Because remember, this is the whole point. He's saying there's a war happening here. There's a war between these conflicting desires, the desires of the flesh and the desire of the spirit, the works of the flesh, the fruit of the spirit. They're at odds within us. And he's calling us to walk in the way of the spirit, to keep in step with him. And so he's not saying, if you stumble in any of these, you're going to hell. No, he's saying, those who practice, those who just engage this, this is who you are. Not those who struggle with these things. And so this is the result. No inheritance in the kingdom of God. And then you contrast all of that with the fruit of the Spirit, the ones that we should be known by and for. The fruit of the Spirit include things like love or to serve others, this is agape, to serve others sacrificially for their good and their value, sacrificially not for yourself. Or joy, to delight in God for his beauty and his worth regardless of circumstances or anything else, just God. Peace, confidence, and rest in God's wisdom, in God's control. Patience, the ability to face trouble without blowing up, without freaking out, without striking out. Patience or kindness, to leverage your strength on behalf of someone else's weakness. It's the ability to serve others in a way that makes your own self actually vulnerable. That is kindness. Goodness, it's integrity. Being the same person in every situation. That you mean what you say, you do what you say. Whereas Jesus, I let you yes be yes, and your no be no. Gentleness, this humility, this, this ability to actually just forget yourself, to be humble, or self-control, my favorite. <laughs> the ability to pursue what is important over what is actually urgent in the moment. Can you decipher the two? That's really at the heart of self-control. What's really important, not what's urgent. And so you see um, in this, there's this great contrast that Paul is painting here. So you, you get like the Venn diagram thing here. Or like maybe we just make it a T-chart, like the clean break. You have works of the flesh and fruit of the spirit. And recognize the verbs and the words, all the things that are at play in this. Work and fruit. There's a huge difference. My work of putting all this together is great results in this beautiful thing, like I can make it look great, right? But the fruit, what can I do for that? Okay, I could plant seeds, I could water it, I could do all this work, but I don't actually give the growth. I have no control over that. It grows in and of itself because it is attached to the tree, to the plant, to the bush, to the vine. And so I can't control it. And so Paul is saying, like, here's a huge difference, guys. You do these works of the flesh or you just simply grow and fruit of the Spirit. Do you see the beautiful difference here? This must be seen in light of the theme of the letter that we cannot obtain, we cannot work for our salvation. 
It is given to us freely. Jesus has secured our salvation. This is the gospel that he has given us, his spirit. He brought us to life when we were dead in our sin and our trespasses, when we were actually the enemy of God. God in love came and he died for us, having lived a sinless life. The perfect sacrifice, once and for all, he died and said, it is finished. He has bore our shame. He has been hurt. He has been killed so that we would not have to stand in his place as he stood in our place. We did nothing to earn that. We cannot recreate that in our own life. He has done it. And so we just trust and receive that. Now the spirit owns this fruit. It is the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit of God owns that. And Jesus gave us the Spirit. And so the Spirit owns this fruit, and then the Spirit gives us this fruit. And so like fruit, we just need to simply receive and be given life. Um, So let's consider what we know about fruit. Some very logical things here. Fruit grows gradually. If you plant a seed in your yard, and then you have that tomorrow, I would beg you, please don't eat it. It's not supposed to work like that. It grows gradually. And so in your life, like if you read this list and you're like feeling so defeated, you're like, man, yeah, I don't, I don't really line up much with that column. Then maybe you're being a little harsh on yourself. And we're gonna unpack more and more of what it looks like to see that growth. But one, just here, fruit grows gradually. And so God can absolutely, in his power that is unbounded, he could bring about, he could do the like, okay, overnight, there's fruit. He could do that. But he's employing an agricultural metaphor that people would understand and they would track with. And you'd think, well, that takes time. And so over the course of your life, Christian, as you follow Jesus, the spirit should be bringing more and more fruit. You should see that growing. If you don't see that growing, then you should question some things. But it grows gradually. Fruit only grows because it is attached to the source of nutrients in life. So how connected are you to the vine? Jesus, um, Alex brought this up last week. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you remain in me, you'll bear much fruit. So how do we see fruit? You gotta stay attached to the source of life, the one that's pushing those nutrients in. If I pluck the strawberry off prematurely from the strawberry plant, does that strawberry continue to grow? No, it actually starts to die. So stay attached, abide in him, dwell with God, be in his word, be in communion with him in prayer. All the disciplines we highlight one a month, be in those, be engaged in those, and see that really the point of those is not that you're performing or doing anything, it's just being with God. It's growing in dependency on him, the one who provides this fruit, who grows this fruit. And then also see that he says fruit in the singular sense, but it's used to refer to a varied aspect. Like there's a lot of fruit there. And so you think, okay, a lemon tree, lemon tree hopefully is gonna have numerous lemons. And so you can grab one, you'd expect there would be other lemons if this is a healthy tree. And so it's this collective, like, they're fruit of the Spirit, and yet there are all these different things. And so if you look at this list and you're like, well, I'm knocking it out of the park on this one, and this one, not so good on that one, not so great on that one, then you should actually challenge that. Because it's all growing. And so it may be that you have misinterpreted, that you just have a natural temperament, like me, to be quiet. You're like, man, I'm great at patience. People don't see me blowing up. Like, no, actually, you're crazy impatient, Kevin. It's just that you're not loud, so people don't know it. And so we can't pick and choose and think like, oh, just because of my personality or my temperament that I'm doing great in this. No, it should be growth across the board. The whole tree is producing fruit. 
And so look to that. And so we try to get that. We understand that, okay, all the fruit is not really me. It's the spirit who's giving us this fruit. And so look to him, be attached to the vine, all that stuff. Let the fruit grow collectively, all the stuff. Like, that's great. Don't do the, the works of the flesh. That's, that's the naughty list. I'm gonna stay away from that one, all this stuff. Okay, okay, I gotta do all this. But we're still left with this tension. You go back to verse 16. I say then, walk by the spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the spirit and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. This, this is really the importance of this passage. But it's, it's so good. Like, I hope you study. I know one of our home groups is actually studying the fruit of the Spirit, and that is so good. But if you, if you miss this, you've missed the point of this. There's a war. And, and so we have to recognize the Spirit is giving the fruit life. He's growing the fruit. And yet there's a call to me to do something because this war is actually being waged. And so it's not a matter of like, you gotta, you gotta like hammer down, knock out that column, and then it's just like cultivate life over here. Like that's, that's actually not the point of this. You gotta see how do we see this war, like the tides turn in this war. How do we see at the end of the day, at the end of life, which of these desires actually won out? How do we see that the right side won? How do we see that we did not give into the desire of the flesh, which is sin, and we instead pressed into the fruit of the Spirit or the desire of God himself. How do we do this? And this is, this is what it all comes down to. We act according to our greatest desire and our greatest desire is what we treasure most. Don't obsess over the fruit. You have to obsess over the one who makes the fruit. That's how you see the fruit come about. Don't obsess over the fruit. Obsess over the one who gives the fruit. How do we increase or diminish these warring desires within us? What is that gonna look like? Jump down to verse 24 after he goes through these two lists. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. I have to say, this is the key to this. This is how we can obsess over the fruit giver as opposed to the fruit and see more and more fruit come about. This is how we grow in the fruit of the Spirit. This is how we keep in step with the Spirit. Starts with, remember, the fruit grows by the Spirit. It's not our working, yet this is the active part for us. But you are actually called to do something here. Fruit grows by the Spirit, and yet now this is your active role in this. So what is it? You remember something. It starts off there with, we belong to Christ. This is the first thing you do. You remember that we belong to Christ. You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, I glorify the Lord with your body. And so we are bought with a price. We belong to Jesus. And so if you are in this wrestle of like, I keep giving in to the desires of the, of the flesh, the, the works of the flesh, I fall into this category. I really want to be in this category. I want to see growth here. Then what do you need to do? First and foremost, you start with, remember, who do you belong to? You're not on that tree. You're on this tree. Get back over here. You belong to Christ. Remember that. And the next thing you must remember is that you have crucified the flesh with him that we have died with Christ. In his death, we died with him to sin. And so we have come alive. We are now slaves to righteousness, not slaves to sin. You have been freed from sin. And so we're, we're kind of like in this whole like, the, the war has been won, but some battles that are lacking communication are still being waged. Like, no, the war has been done. 
but we're still fighting some things out until the day when he finishes all of this. And so in that battle, remember, it's already won. The victory has been decided. The battle, yeah, looks like it's still going on, but the war is over. He's won it decisively. And so we're just, we're just marching. Like Paul uses this language to the church in Corinth. They're like, you're marching in this victory parade. <laughs> Jesus is marching us through in this victory parade. And yes, it looks and it feels like the battle is still going. It is and yet the war is done. And so you have been crucified with Christ. He said this back in chapter two, I no longer live, but Christ who lives in me. And so if you remember you have been crucified, the, the flesh has been crucified. Here's the thing, you just let dead things remain dead. When you slip into that category, well, that's dead. Let it stay dead. It's dead and it only leads to death. Let it stay dead. In Jesus' own language, you daily take up your cross and follow him, putting the flesh to death. Now, I will not live for Kevin today. I'll live for you, Jesus, because that's actually life. That's best. And we have to see what the Spirit does. If we're gonna keep in step with the Spirit, if that's like our calling in this, you wanna see fruit grow, keep in step with the Spirit. So remember, you belong to Christ, let dead things remain dead, and now keep in step with the Spirit. What does that mean, to keep in step with the Spirit? And you can take that to a very mystical thing. And I think, like, one of my convictions, we need to experience things more. We need to experience God more. I, I'm very much on the intellectual side, and I know that, but it's so good when I, when I can shift that and just encounter God in an experiential way that is so good and biblical. So we need that. And what he's saying here is the Spirit, if you want to stay in alignment with him, you want to keep in step with him, this is what it looks like. Consider what the Spirit does. Jesus told us he was going to send the comforter, send the helper, send the Spirit, and this is what he would do. He says this in John 15, 26, when the counselor comes, the one I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. So what does the Spirit do? He testifies about Jesus. And then he continues on a chapter later. He says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me, because he will take from me what is mine and declare it to you. And so what does the Spirit do? He glories in Jesus. He magnifies Jesus. He leads us to truth. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So the Spirit makes much of Jesus. You want to keep in step with the Spirit? Make much of Jesus. Magnify the name of Jesus. See and sing, tis so sweet. Tis so sweet. He is precious. Jesus, Jesus, all of our life, all of our affection to Jesus. That is how we stay in step with the Spirit, live in step with the Spirit, glory and magnify Jesus. Increase your affections. Just worship Jesus over and over and over in every moment. Because this is how you fight, Christian. You just see and love our Lord. This is how you stay in step with the Spirit. Just receive from Him. He grows the fruit. This is how you actually fight. You let Him become the greatest treasure, the greatest desire that we have. So feed and grow your desire for Him. Because here's the thing. Like, I can thirst for this so much. I can be so hungry. I think like the, oh, the, the war, like in the fruit of the Spirit or the works of the flesh, this, these competing things within me. Am I get in, will I give in to sin, this struggle that I have? And, and you know what it is. We all have it, or them. It's, it's often many. What are the sin struggles in our life? And so how do I put those to death? 
And how do I see my affections, my, my instep with the spirit? Like, how do I see all of that grow? How do I see more fruit? How do I put this to death, grow this? This, this is the nature of, of winning a war over desires. Which one's gonna win? Competing desires? The one that you treasure more. The one that you relish more. The one that you love more. The one that captures your heart and all of your affections. So which one brings you greater satisfaction? Which one brings you greater pleasure and delight? And so this is the thing. Again, this is not about performance. The way that you kill the works of the flesh is you starve it. And we often think, okay, for me to starve the works of the flesh, that means I'm gonna pull myself up by my bootstraps. Chris said that yesterday, I just love that. Like, I'm gonna white knuckle it, I'm gonna do this. I'm, how many times have you said, never again, I will not do this again, God. It's done, I'm over it. I'm gonna fight, I'm gonna stand up, I'm gonna be a man, I'm gonna whatever it is. Like, I, 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 I is the common word in all of that. You know, the way that you fight is not that you and your strength will overcome any of this. We've already proven we, we succumb. <laughs> we, we can't do anything in and of ourselves, but God can. And so the way that you destroy and you starve the, the desire that is in the wrong category is you only feed the one in the right category. Because you can do nothing to kill this. But if you just throw yourself into being enamored with Jesus, you grow more and more. Your passion, your craving, your yearning for Jesus. That, like that strawberry lemon, like, I don't need that. Man, Jesus, I just need you. God, I love you. You are more than I could ever dream of. You will never be exhausted. Like you, oh God, like I could take forever and I will take forever. Oh, Paul says this to the church in Colossae, like, and the Ephesian church and Philippians, like over and over in his letters, he's telling us like, he wants us to know the unknowable love of God. He wants us to forever know we're going to be searching out the depths of God's kindness that for all of eternity, we will not fully know. Like it will never be exhausted on us. So you can delight in God, you can find joy in God, you can treasure him, and you can just grow in your affections, and you can wage war against the other, because this one will never, ever be full. And so you just take more and more and more, and God delights in giving you more and more and more of himself. And so when I'm like, oh, the battle here, like how do I kill that, and how do I grow that? Don't worry about that, just worry about this. Guys, you wanna stop looking at pornography? Girls, you wanna stop contesting everything and like where do you kind of fit into the mom hierarchy and all this stuff, like everything that we throw ourselves into and find ourselves stumbling with, like the answer is not in you putting that to death of your own accord. The answer in you, the answer to you is just love Jesus more. Just see how much more satisfying he is, how much more he loves you and he is for your real freedom. And then that, it dies. Because remember, dead things can just stay dead. It never gave you life in the first place. So just lean into him. Feed and grow your desire for him so as to starve out the desire of the flesh. So again, we act according to our greatest desire and our greatest desire is what we treasure most. So treasure Jesus. Keep in step with the spirit. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for the, the truth of your word. Uh, God, the freedom that comes um, from just realizing it is grace, it is you. You from start to finish, you are the author, you're the perfecter, you are the one at work in us. 
And so God, help us to see that more and more, to just magnify your name, to live for your glory, and thereby see so much fruit that brings you more and more glory and is more and more for our good, but just pressing into you. So God, would you grow our affections for you? Like John said, we know we, we love you because you first loved us. So help us, Father, to just see the depth of your love. And, and then in response to that, our desires shift in this war away from the flesh and more and more in step with your spirit. God, I love you. I praise you and trust you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.